Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is ilge. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian Mr. Todd A. Davis. If you just finished listening to episodes 51 through 53 and our show and tell bonus episode, it's almost as if he never left. Please welcome back from the More You Nerd podcast and Cosmic Crit, it's Drew Burris! Yeah! Thank you, thank you. Oh, oh you're too kind, you're too kind. Oh, hey, you in the back? <laughs> You're not supposed to be here. <laughs> Security. <laughs> How you been, man? I've been good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just, oh, man, living the podcasting dream. Just... I mean, <laughs> since the last time we talked, there have been two brand new Star Trek seasons that have come out. I know. Oh, man. I think, uh, yeah, because uh, we just wrapped up uh, not too long ago uh, Picard season two. And yes. now we are hip deep in strange new worlds, right in the middle of strange new worlds. Just because, I mean, we talked a little bit before we started rolling uh, on our thoughts, but, you know, in you know, 10, 15 words or less, uh, Picard season two, what'd you think? Started real strong, mm-hmm. ended real strong. Mm-hmm. And then there was the middle. It was a bit of a long road getting from getting from there, there to here. <laughs> It took a long time. Yeah. <laughs> but, the but time... now Strange New Worlds is finally here. So oh. what, what? how are you liking Strange New Worlds so far? So as we record this episode, because I know you you uh, edit these and push them out a little later, we have yeah. five episodes, I think, that have come out. I or believe six? so. Yeah. Um, they, uh, we, uh, the last one I saw was uh, was number one and, um, and Nuni and Singh trying to go through the enterprise bingo yes uh spock amuck is the name of that episode which i absolutely love um so i just gonna throw it all out there uh strange new worlds is incredible Mm -hmm. it is the best live action star trek series in 20 years you heard it here Uh, first folks i say live action because i also love lower decks deeply and personally oh yes um this this show so far has fired on all cylinders it is like I like Discovery, I like Picard. Let me just say that out loud. I'm not a hater of either of those shows, but this show being so good makes those shows look bad. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's <laughs> it's that good. Yeah, it's so it, like it, uh, uh, Anson Mount as as Captain Pike is just putting on a, a workshop of how to be a Starfleet captain. Yeah. he's got he's got the gravitas uh, and kind of fly fly by the seat of his pants as as Kirk. Mm-hmm. But he's got the the well thought out diplomatic solution that Picard has. Uh, mm-hmm. it, he cares about his crew in the way that Cisco does. Like this dude is on fire. Yeah, Ethan Peck is so good as Spock. Uh-huh. And we're only talking about the two characters that we had seen before. The yeah. rest of this cast is just like new new uhura and i'm sorry i don't have her name her or any of the other characters names in front of me right now right she's so good um jess bush as as uh, young nurse chapel is she's great one of the one of the most compelling performances i've seen in star trek she's just so good and she's, yeah uh this it is it is I love this show. I love this mm-hmm. show. I hope I am not setting myself up for failure as we still have the other half of the season to come out. But right, so, right. Far, <laughs> so far, this has been some of the best Star Trek on TV in a long time. I've been looking at it. Um, I, you know, it's it's so funny of me because they made this big thing when uh, the first episode premiered that this was the this was the longest pilot to series 
Um, <laughs> technically, <get> <laughs> technically correct. <laughs> like 50 some, nearly 60 years to get from pilot episode to series. Um, I can't believe but, they recast like the entire cast of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, one of the things that struck me is, has been all the small details. You know, obviously the uniforms, I love the, I love the uniforms and just the minute details of everything. Um, the aesthetics of the ship, the special effects, that opening, you know, utilizing the original theme in this new, new, but very familiar opening title sequence. And uh, yeah, Ethan Peck killing it. Uh, Rebecca Romain killing it. Um Anson Mount, the, my only issue is, uh, is his hair going to get taller every episode? I mm-hmm. hope so. <laughs> he's going to end up, it. He's, he's already past Conan O'Brien. I'm wondering if, if he's if, going to reach Marge if, Simpson level. If, if by the end of the season, that's not scraping the turbo lift as he walks through the door, I'm, I'm going to be upset. I am into it because for every moment that an inch grows on Captain Pike's hair, the show just gets better. And you know what? I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, it's but great. Another, another thing that I, uh, that I love about this show is that they're using the, um, the is it volumetric scenic work i forget the name of it but it's it's the it's the same kind of stuff that they used on the mandalorian where it wasn't just a set or a green screen it's literally a giant screen behind the actors that's putting stuff on Mm -hmm. and and some of that stuff has been so incredibly cool and and i'm not because i know folks out there may not have gotten to see it yet or they might be waiting for the whole season to drop or they might be in europe where you can't watch it at all yet Um, although i think that will not be true by the time this episode comes out Um, there is a scene in which it is a conference room with a window behind it and behind that window is just it's it's on it's on a space station and it's just the enterprise and doc yeah and it's just sitting there and yep. you can just see it yep. and you can see all this other movement and all this other, like it's the most interesting conference room scene that they've ever had in Star Trek because yeah. the, there's, there's stuff behind the window that isn't most, just the stars. most visually, <laughs> the most visually compelling conference room scene of all time. <laughs> and, and, and that's just, and that's just the part of it. They're, they're using yeah. that for so many other, other things. And it's hard not to go into in depth on this. Yeah, uh, and you're going you're going in historical order on this show, so you'll get to it pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, well, we've I think we've got probably we may get to it probably late next year. Um, yeah, because I, I mean we're wrapping up Enterprise this year, and then we've got two seasons of Discovery, and then it's right into Strange New Worlds, and maybe second season of Strange New Worlds. Yeah, by, by then it might be on to season <laughs> two. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll see I, what happens. I, 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 so far the entire cast of this show, and this is something that that I will say, I don't think Picard struggled from this, but I think that Discovery struggled from this is that you have a very strong like core couple of characters that you think you're going to be the core, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 in Discovery they're well developed, and a lot of the other characters took a lot more time to get any development. Yeah, um, Strange New Worlds. I I have such a connection to each of the new cast members and yeah. crew members like the pilot is I, I love her she's fantastic uh cortez uh, the, is it yeah, cortez uh, i'm gonna feel so bad because i don't remember her name <laughs> i know <laughs> erica is her first name um, okay all right i know who you mean i know who you mean <laughs> yeah uh, but hammer the anar andorian engineer yeah. Yeah. Uh, just so like dr mbenga doc, dr mbenga with He's great so good real really another, another original series character returning um prior to his, his his work on the original series i'm just i i'm so into the show and it's like I, I don't really have like even with discovery that i really love and picard that i really love i have things that i can say that are negatives towards or, or things that still really bother me mm-hmm. uh, especially about early season early couple of seasons of discovery but i I don't have complaints about this show yeah. and that's, that's it's, ba- it's a banger. It scares me in a weird way. Cause it's like, if I just, <laughs> am I missing something? Am I missing something that I, that- I, the, the big, the big arguments that I've heard against new Trek have culminated or distilled down to a lot of retconning of things. Um, yeah, that can be frustrating, but you know what? It's happened with every major franchise that has had any sort of longevity uh, down so to I will, 
comic books and like all kinds. I mean, how many how many different origin stories does Batman have? Like a sure. bunch. And, 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 and Batman's I, been running a lot longer than Star Trek. <laughs> the 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 thing that gets me about this, because I am I'm bothered by some of the retcons that feel like I didn't love to look at the Klingons in Discovery and I still don't. I'm sorry. I think, honestly, I think they look really cool. I just don't think they look like Klingons. And I don't think they look like the Klingons that should have been at that time. Again, this is me. I got over it. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but there, but there is something that, that uh, this is actually something I saw on TikTok, which is one of the, the most true things about Star Trek that I've ever seen. And it, this person called it the Alexander rule. Have you heard about the Alexander rule? No. Okay, so when it comes to continuity in Star Trek, Rozhenko? and yes, okay, <laughs> Alexander Rozhenko is introduced in season four or season five, uh, maybe season four of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yep, as Worf and Kalar's son. Yeah, uh, 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 conceived during their meeting in season two of Star Trek: The Next Generation, mm-hmm. he is introduced as a boy, as a two-year-old child uh, who can fully talk already and fully walk already. And then when he is on the Enterprise, he is technically in preschool kindergarten age mm-hmm. throughout his, his, his journey before he departs unceremoniously in season five or season six, never right. to be seen again. Right. Until a few years later in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, where War finds him working on a Klingon bird of prey as an adult. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, maybe Klingons age differently or some other thing like that. But maybe it seems like we would have learned that when it comes to any of Worf's backstory uh, that we never see. So, yeah, so so Star Trek has always moved at the speed of plot. And that's just what we need, what we need to focus on. Yeah. And the, the, the stories have always been more important than even the science in the science fiction. Right. And, and for a lot of the silent, for a lot of the science that they actually nail pretty damn close, uh, you know, again, at the end of the day, it's science fiction. It's, you know, it's you're supposed to have fun. Just, yeah. Just these, disconnect a little bit. <laughs> these are, these are morality tales and reflections of society and humanity. Like, mm-hmm. why is every piece of literature that, uh, that anybody references in next generation from, like 15 to 1800s England. <laughs> like why? <laughs> Stuff existed beyond that, but you know, they, they chose, they chose tent poles that they could recognize the audience knew. They didn't spend a whole uh, episode talking about the, uh, the, the late 22nd century and Dorian uh, playwright so-and-so because us as humans watching the show have no context for that. Right. Um, you should listen to uh, Shakespeare in the original Klingon, etc. cetera. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so moving on, uh, how did you feel uh, jumping back in and watching a couple more episodes of uh, Enterprise? Look, this is when Enterprise is getting good. Yeah, it's like, pretty good. <laughs> uh, and the, the couple of episodes that I watched uh, this week, I, I, I don't have a lot of negative things to say about them. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pretty into like this is i'm sad that it took two and a half seasons to win over a lot of people to get on board with enterprise right um and we of course unfortunately know how enterprise ended not that long after this yeah but uh it it, but this this is this is really when they they fit into that that slightly episodic but still serialized storytelling that deep space Mm -hmm. nine did so well and and that's really what what they needed that's really what this 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 show as much as like it's funny to 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 say that because you know the big thing just talking about strange new worlds that everybody loves is oh it's episodic star trek it's episodic star trek it's not serialized it's episodic but there's which discovery is very episodic or excuse me very serialized picard's very serialized but there's there's a very fine balance and there's uh, was enough in discovery or excuse me an enterprise that just didn't quite get where it needed to be until they Mm -hmm. went more serialized and yeah and that's okay yeah (laughs) yeah i i love i love what they're doing with strange new worlds i heard uh i forget if it was a executive producer or one of the cast members i forget who said it but basically the plot will be episodic the character arcs are what is serialized 
and, and I think and, and, and you're seeing that in strange new worlds uh-huh. and you're seeing that in these episodes of enterprise yes. yeah. where you have several episodes that, that don't really like they kind of tie together and that they happen right at one, right after the other, mm-hmm. but they're just little elements that, that kind of flow between the two that, that I think re- work really well as this show gets to the end of its third season. Yeah. I think this is a culmination of kind of like, okay, we're kind of, we're past the shakiness of just trying to get the series off the ground and the dust is settling on the events of 9-11 where, where we can start writing about it through science fiction and start discussing some of these things that are hitting the news in this format. Um, and yeah, it's coming together really nicely. And gosh, I really wish, really wish they'd have hung on and, you know, let them, you know, play this out for a fifth season or sixth season, or just, you know, just something to kind of get us over that hump and, you know, really explore where this truly should have landed. Um, I mean, we all, we all wanted the Romulan war at some point in this show. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things that, that we will never get, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, before we get too much deeper into uh, the episodes, let's get to this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. On Star Trek Enterprise, only five new episodes are left, leading to the mind-warping season finale where past, present, and eternity unravel. Wednesday, their only hope lies in the hands of the enemy. You're asking me to attack my own people. Archer tells the crew that they'll continue their mission but will remember the 18 crew members who died in the 18th episode of this season. As he directs Enterprise to rendezvous with Degra, Archer orders Trip to write a letter to the parents of Jane Taylor, a member of his engineering team who died in the recent battle. Meanwhile, Paul discusses with Doc Flocks the consequences of her Torellium addiction. I learned it by watching you! And is troubled when he tells her that the inability to control her emotions may be permanent. <laughs> Arriving at a sphere, Enterprise is soon approached by Degra and Janar's ship. Archer invites them on board in an attempt to gain their trust. He then reveals his evidence, the reptilian corpses and technology of the failed viral attack against Earth in 2004, as per the episode Carpenter Street. Images of the dying alien who attempted to destroy the ship and scans of the interior of a sphere. Archer again reiterates that humans and Zindi are predestined to form an alliance to stop the Sphere Builder's incursion in the future! He also demands that Degra reveal information about the weapon and its launch schedule. An increasingly persuaded Degra promises to do what he can to delay it. Meanwhile, a dangerous plasma fire erupts unnoticed on Enterprise's hull. Initially, the blaze is small. But it expands progressively until Trip and Reed are forced to take a spacewalk to extinguish it. Throughout the crisis, Trip repeatedly undermines Archer's authority by reviling Degra for the suffering he caused during the first attack on Earth, the attack that killed his sister. To make matters worse, a large reptilian ship arrives. Sucks! And they are forced to work together to destroy it, despite Degra's reluctance to attack fellow Zindi. With their pact now sealed, Degra suggests a meeting with the rest of the council and provides Archer with the coordinates. Great. And then... Only four new episodes are left until the Enterprise season finale and their heroic mission to save Earth. Wednesday... You must find Jonathan Archer. The crew comes face to face with its own future. Who are you? She would appear to be your uh, great-granddaughter. You've hardly changed, Mother. I beg your pardon. Meet the descendants of Enterprise. These people are family. I'm not going to let you kill them. Enterprise approaches a nebula that contains a subspace corridor defended by a Corvallan vessel. The corridor lets them traverse the distance in minutes. Suddenly, an older yet enhanced copy of Enterprise appears. Captained by a half-Vulcan man named Lorian, who explains that after the Enterprise enters the corridor, it will destabilize causing Archer's version to travel 117 years into the past. Confronted with this situation and not wanting to contaminate Earth's time stream, it then turns itself into a generational ship to await the Zindi crisis. Arriving on board, Lorian reveals that he is in fact the son of Tapucker. Archer also meets his great-granddaughter, Karen Archer, who is part Karen 
as Enterprise will rescue her great-grandmother, Elysia, from a spatial anomaly field. And so on. Lorian, after considering his knowledge of events, believes that the wormhole must be avoided altogether. Right. Archer and Lorian then disagree over whether to implement an engine modification to Enterprise, since there's a 22% chance that it might destroy the ship. Archer then meets Old T'Pol aboard the older Enterprise and considers a plan where his ship could pass through safely due to alternative modifications she suggests. A frustrated Lorian then reveals a secret plan. Steal the newer plasma injectors from Enterprise so they can confront the Zindi in place of their ancestors. Smash and grab job, huh? Slightly more complicated than that. Oh, yeah. Lorian leads a raid and successfully steals the parts, but the old Enterprise is disabled by Archer as it is about to go to warp and Lorian is put in the brig. Archer's mad at having his own method of stealing engine components from last week's episode used against him. Lorian reveals that he had a chance to stop the Zindi probe from the expanse from attacking Earth, but failed because he hesitated. Then the two captains finally agree to work towards their shared mission. Meanwhile, T'Pol meets her older self and discusses her addiction to Torellium D and her relationship with Trip. The older T'Pol confirms the younger's deepest fears. In Trip, there is something bringing irrationality into her life, which she can't control, but which will nurture her and have a positive, irreplaceable effect on her life and spirit. The Enterprises then enter the nebula, but Archer's is quickly disabled. Lorian's Enterprise then tows it into the corridor using a tractor beam, intending, as it turns to attack the Corvallan ships, to follow shortly. Archer's Enterprise arrives safely, but the older Enterprise never emerges, and Archer wonders if, by successfully traversing the corridor, they cease to exist. His thoughts are cut short when Degra arrives for their rendezvous. Well, so last time we talked, we discussed how you how you love alternate histories, right? I do. I love them. It's like I love Days of Future Past and X Men. I love, uh, you know. I mean, I was on the 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 brain parasites with Archer and SETI Alpha Five. I can't yes. the name of the episode. This is SETI Alpha Five. <laughs> I love I love that stuff just because. It, especially for characters that are well-established, it gives you kind of a, a twist on it. It's why I love mirror universe episodes. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun thing. The, the only, like the, the thing that, that gets me about this episode and the, the one thing that I kind of wish we might've seen a little more of, but obviously would have completely derailed the episode is to see a little bit more of like the historical records of things mm. like to see some of the some of what was going on on that ship as it became a generation ship and you know children and grandchildren growing up and that sort of thing like mm -hmm. I, and and i i get why they didn't do it it would have been how how do you design a story around that and and make all that work it would have to be a two-part episode and oh I, easily I just, a two-part episode yeah and i don't know whether that whether whether that that works i don't know whether that works or not you know mm. <laughs> also because they've done another like the cast in the future episode this season where everybody's got graying hair and things like that i don't know maybe maybe that would not have worked in the long run so they're probably smarter to to not have any of that stuff happen yeah but uh how did you feel about i because uh you know jolie blalock has a very unique look about her without the aging makeup oh that so, old age makeup is yeah, it's yeah. so bad <laughs> yeah it's it's not great i i was i was trying to i was tr really trying to ignore the makeup side and really listen to what she was doing with her voice and she had some subtle hand movements that i really kind of latched onto uh you know pulling the curtain back on my personal life here uh my wife's grandmother uh unfortunately living in a nursing home but we're seeing these little, you know, as we're watching her, you know, progress into Alzheimer's and dementia and things like that. She's got some interesting ticks with her hands. And we see to Paul or Jolene Blalock sort of integrate some of these things into her performance. I got to say, I mean, the aged, the aging, you know, makeup aside. I think she really kills it here as the older version of herself and to be honest like when you have two characters 
played by one actor in a scene it always looks a little a little too staged but this actually looked pretty seamless so it was it was okay i i think that blaylock as she is playing to pulled uh to pulled in <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's such a great, that's such a great joke. I, I really, I'm, I'm kicking myself that I didn't think of that earlier. That's so great. <laughs> it's just, it, it felt, even though what she was doing, like the, the performance was fine. I, I'm, uh, it just felt a little bit like doing an old person's voice. What you can't see off, off camera, because this is an audio podcast, is I have in the moments added a whole like 15 layers of cake makeup to my face <laughs> uh, to make myself look uh, the ancient. transformation is incredible I, I'm, I'm gonna peel it off now and just do the voice because uh, <laughs> i can't do that no, don't ruin the illusion drew <laughs> let but, uh, me live let me live in that that i'm speaking to an additional hundred year old drew Burr. Uh, I really liked Strange New World season seven. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's great. And, and you know, I to be to be honest, I think when I see like the two ships come together, first of all, I always love that. It was just like, oh, 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 there they are. But I always have the thought of like, okay, now you've got double the parts. So why not make a super enterprise? <laughs> <laughs> and you've Cause, got cause, two crews you've got two crews worth of people so like well, and this, step it this, up beef I mean, up this everything is, this is another thing where one i i disagree with that because i do think two ships are better than one um okay that's fair two I, and, and what i will say about this is i do think that they had planted a couple of seeds earlier in the season about asking how many ships uh, there were in in the expanse and like how many ships do starfleets ha have out here because the uh, the older prize oh, yeah. has 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 been <laughs> i got a thousand of these oh I'll keep my going. god <laughs> so you got enterprise and older prize i'm just gonna just to, so i can tell them apart in my head so um, great so, so the older prize has clearly been upgraded in some capacities like it's mm. got all the these kibbly bits to them it's got like these enhancements and when the two enterprises do fire on each other the main normal enterprise still has the very red phase cannons and the ones on the the older prize are now bluish uh the bluish and they have a little sort of like flourish to them like they're kind of like like a helix pattern to them a yeah, bit, yeah. Which, is, which is neat to see but it's also like where, where were you guys Nine months ago, man. <laughs> I know we know you failed to stop the first probe, but why didn't you hunt down the the, the Enterprise earlier than that? It seems like it, it would have been a lot easier to do things. Now, combining the two crews together, honestly, the reason they didn't do that, I think, is just because it would make narratively, it would make things way more complicated. Yeah, yeah, you're probably because 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 who do who do you bring aboard? They got kids on board the older prize, like. Yeah. Although that does, although that doesn't seem to matter towards the end of things, um, right? <laughs> uh, you know, because it's oh well. I mean, the Enterprise D had kids on it too, and they they went up against a lot of different stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, don't, we don't have a we we don't have a, a a notice about how many children died on the Enterprise D, but I'm going to guess it's a number higher than zero. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, if you look at uh, the NXO one, holds what like 80 people? It's not a lot. Yeah, not it's people. not it's not a huge crew, but if you figure half of them paired up, because I think fifty people was the crew of that. I don't. I'd, I'd have to look that up, and I'm gonna. You're gonna hear me typing for twenty minutes while. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you figure well, half of them half of them paired up, and half of that had kids. Yeah, you're already probably getting close to at least a hundred um, for a ship that's built for not that many. <laughs> Not and not to, and that's not to say that they don't have some colony somewhere that they've put people, but they probably also didn't do. But but they probably also didn't do that because then you have humans in the expanse a hundred years before they're supposed to be there. That mm. also doesn't make narrative sense. I think to I be know. honest, I think this might be how we get an additional Enterprise season. Is we actually follow the original Enterprise when it went through. And we see them establish a colony. I mean, you can bring back the cast because now they're older um, and just have them live out, you know, 
getting hooked up and having kids and, you know, saving people and establishing a colony so they don't have to have, you know, a thousand people on this tiny little ship. <laughs> that might be, that might be how it, that. that might be how it works. I mean, it, it would, I think it fits and I, I technic- just, technically it doesn't mess with the timeline. Because as long as you get it before it's presumably, and, and again, they leave this open to interpretation uh-huh. what happens at the end of this episode. Uh-huh. I I believe that regardless, they've just cleaned up the the mess. <laughs> whether yeah. they whether they cease to exist because the 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 Enterprise went through the 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 rift mm-hmm. or not, if they didn't, sure looked like that ship was about to get completely obliterated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I I think if I were to if I were to outline a pitch for a new season of Enterprise. It would start with the Enterprise originally entering the corridor, going 117 years into the past, and then, and you know, de-age, you know, the cast as they are, you know, to, to how they looked. And then, okay, let's cut to 10 years later and let the, let the show play out and basically let, let one cast member die every season or every few episodes as we slowly work our way through time, so- but have, but have to pulled be uh, the overarching narrator so maybe she's she's documenting everything you know for herself that she's going to give these notes and things to herself when they encounter El- elderly star law yeah 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 exactly star date, blah 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 so so uh <laughs> speaking of of having killing off a character every every season or whatnot like i I do have to call out our boy Reed, Malcolm Reed. <laughs> I, I really thought that was going to go in a different direction when he's he started talking. A couple of characters are talking about who they, uh, you know, Mayweather and and Hoshi are, are talking about. You know, oh, you you ended up getting together with this person. How many kids did you have? Oh, how many kids did you have? And then Reed walks up and he just has the somber look on his face. And I was like, well, that's because he's dead, right? He died. <laughs> He died real early. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he just never married. So he's he's sad that he will be a bachelor forever. Yeah. And uh who would be surprised? Let's be yeah. honest. But I think that would be kind of cool to, you know, now because now Discovery is the ship that leap that leapt to the future. Now we've got a series where there was an enterprise that leapt into the past. And, you know, maybe we maybe it's only a limited series, but we get to see things play out. Um I, I can see it. I can see it. I'm just, I'm, I'm ready. I'm as a fan, I'm ready to move forward in, in, although it's hard to move forward with discovery being where it is right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm ready to move forward from about the point of like the 2400s. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I do, I do. Cause we kind of skipped over the first episode completely uh, do, after doing that recap. I kind of want to go back and talk about some of the points in the forgotten. Uh, because yeah. I I really enjoyed this episode. Mm. And I really enjoyed this episode for one particular reason. And that is Connor Trenier as Trip Tucker is the best performer in this cast. He's really he he really turns in a very solid performance. And this is kind of the culmination of a lot of stuff that his character's been going through. At least, at least, at least since the end of season two, if not really kind of culminating from the pilot, like we kind of see, we've, you know, we kind of grew with this character to that first tragedy at the end of season two. And now with everything developing over the last 20 some episodes leading to this point. Yeah. And he really just knocks it out of the park. And, and when, when he is, is when he's dealing with his own stuff and specifically when he confronts Degra. So, so a lot of this episode is about loss and it's about the loss of 18 members of the crew, mm-hmm. including one in particular that we get a name for and that we kind of see. Um, and, and that, and, and, and all of that is very impactful because this is something that we haven't really spent the time. Uh, DS9 did this a little bit. Mm. In that when they would lose crew members, you had you would also have you would have characters that would build up over a couple of episodes that then they would, you know, kill and you'd be sad about it. Or they would introduce somebody at the beginning of an episode and they'd die at the end of the episode. Uh, TOS, of course, you had red shirts, blue shirts and gold shirts dying left and right the entire right. show. And yeah. they never really made that big of a deal out of it, except for in uh, uh, Space Seed when the character gets married at the beginning of the episode and dies in the middle of the episode. Uh, but yeah, yeah. 
but uh but but th in this episode we we really see sort of the kind of culmination and and it is it, it, it's interesting because it's at this point that that they have spent a, a few episodes getting degra on the human side yeah and, and that's the, those are the seeds that we started to see planted the last time i was on this when we had that zindi arboreal that that we met and uh and and now we've got degra himself and i missed the episodes where they kidnap him and erase his memory over and over again and all of that stuff yeah that was pretty dope actually <laughs> I, I remember that being a pretty good episode yeah but 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 in in and it was going to be an interesting parallel to another sci-fi show that just started airing <laughs> again last week <laughs> when you have you have this character in degra who is is starting his kind of switch sides but that doesn't mean that he's forgiven by the people that his actions hurt oh yeah and that is that is something that that is really like it's it's really interesting to watch this episode after watching that other show's episode <laughs> oh yeah well i mean it's <laughs> It's it's really fun to say because I mean it I, I end up myself just kind of playing out the scenario of like, okay, someone just killed your significant other or sibling or parent or whatever. And for the greater good, you have to set that aside, but then you encounter that person face to face. What do you do? And, what do you what and, do you say? And that face to face interaction goes both ways because even yeah. because Trip Trip loses his cool and and oh you kill seven million people but one more is too much a seven million and one people is the line and it's like that's such a great yeah such a great moment it's such a it's great writing and it's delivered really really well yeah. and then and but 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 you see degra's degra's heart kind of change in that moment and you see you you see him you know sort of understand and he i think he even says you know i never thought that i would encounter someone yeah who was who was was you know touched by my actions or hurt by my actions and it's yeah. like yeah this is this is what happens when you make big world shattering literally world shattering decisions yeah for people and and lives are lost that 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 doesn't just go away because you decide to be a nice guy there's there's mm -hmm. I, I i don't know that that triple ever forgive degra or any zindi for what happened to his sister yeah and and you know, they never, they should have added a Zindi crew member to Enterprise in season, season four. That would have been an interesting uh, thing. That would have been that. really interesting. Well, I think, I think the closest we got was how much we saw Randy Oglesby as Degra, you know, and he, he's done such a great job as that character. But yeah, in terms of adding a, adding the, a character to the crew, it might be, it that might be fun to explore in season five <laughs> Yeah, as they, I mean, as they travel into the past. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, you know, seeing that stuff, you know, it makes me think, you know, so many of those thoughts and feelings were, you know, coming to light with, uh, and I, I promised my wife I'd stop talking about 9-11, but with- the, it's, it's impossible not to. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible not to talk about 9-11 when you're talking about this season of this show specifically. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you're seeing- we're seeing so many of these thoughts and feelings and emotions being emulated through trip to this, you know, as of recently, just unknown enemy. And, you know, and, and even from that enemy's point of view, being confronted with the consequences of their actions and, you know, uh, Archer, let's not forget Archer who started this thing very, like i mean he's you know he's he, he could he could have been captain america scott bakula could have easily played captain america and he kind of starts this series very very captain america-esque of like all right let's go get him and and then we get to oh this my dog where... peed on that my dog peed on that tree that's not a big deal yeah <laughs> <laughs> but in in it's in the thing that i like I, I do also like in these episodes in particular that they just let the cast stay dirty yep. no one's taking a shower in nope. four days yeah trip trip has not slept in three days and and uh, looks it and looks it and <laughs> yeah because and and this is this is where we get archer as you know I've never been the biggest Captain Archer fan. Not a, not an insult to Scott Bakula because I think his performance is really great as Captain Archer. I just don't think that Archer makes the best decisions all the time. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but this is but but you really feel the crew and specifically Archer and 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 Tuck and uh, 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 yeah Tucker. Sorry, uh, you feel them at their wits' end. You feel yeah. them 
struggling to hold it all together mm-hmm. in, in a way that you you don't really see from a lot of the rest of the crew, um, mostly because a lot of them aren't given a lot to do in these episodes either. Um, T'Pol is, but T'Pol's going through her own stuff and she's certainly not holding together because she's got a drug addiction now yep. uh, or recovering from one. Um, Just the franchise punching bag. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that there's, there's, this is, this is really a character focused episode and just seeing the ship just decimated the way it is. And it just makes me sad uh, to see it like that because it's not a big ship to begin with. Yeah. Um, it is, it is really interesting watching the show again, after watching, you know, a season of discovery and a season of, of strange new worlds and just seeing how much bigger the hallways are and how much oh, bigger yeah. the hallways feel uh, in this show. It's wild. Yeah. I mean, seeing, you know, NXO1's cabins, which are essentially a closet. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then looking at the luxurious suites of the 1701. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's funny to see. It's funny to see those things juxtaposed and uh, and everything that goes along with them. Well, I, these are some great. Uh, these really are some great episodes. Uh, but as as we mentioned before, no show is perfect. And uh, when you realize that the inevitable question, of course, is who do we blame? So uh, we've had to switch things up a little bit here because we're going to be covering some interesting, uh, some interesting tidbits uh, here this week. Uh, but let's start with actually the second episode, E Squared. E Squared was written by Mike Sussman, whose last work on the series was season three, episode 17, The Hatchery, which we discussed with comedian Mike Kaplan on episode 63. And was directed by Roxanne Dawson, a.k.a. Belana Torres. And the last uh, episode she directed was season three, episode 16, Doctor's Orders. We got a nice little bottle episode there that uh, we discussed with working, traveling comedian Mark Viola on episode 62. Uh, This was the fourth episode of the season that was directed by uh, Roxanne Dawson. She had directed more episodes than any other director at that point in this season having previously worked on Doctor's Orders, Exile, and Chosen Realm. Uh, The guest stars... I was on one of those. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you were on one of those. Uh, The guest stars, we're going to keep it pretty brief and just mention uh, Mr. David Andrews as Lorian. Uh, He's had an interesting career. He's definitely a character actor, and I love talking about the character actors, but he actually got started on an episode of Trapper John M.D., uh, oh. Season three, episode 22 from 1982, an episode called A Piece of the Action. And then he uh, had a small role in a little film called A Nightmare on Elm Street in 19. 19- Never heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> nobody's ever heard of that. <laughs> uh, but then he did a lot of uh, TV stuff and then eventually got some small roles in uh, the Oscar nominated Wyatt Earp from 1994, the Oscar winning Apollo 13, and as Thomas in 1999 Oscar nominated film Fight Club. I always wanted three kids, two boys and a girl. Mindy wanted two girls and a boy. We never could agree on anything. Well, as you know, she, she had her first child last week, uh, a girl with, with her uh, with a new husband. And thank God, you know, I'm, I'm glad for her. <laughs> she then he had uh, appearances in Hannibal in 2001, A Walk to Remember in 2002, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines in 03, and then this was his only appearance in the franchise. Uh, unfortunately, he's a great actor. Uh, but then he also... Had uh, some things after this, 17 episodes of JAG, 11 episodes of The Whispers, 16 episodes of Queen of the South, and he is still working. Uh, his current role, he, he plays Peter Singh in The Black Hamptons. Michelle Erica Green from Trek Nation said that this episode focused more on the characters and the consequences of their contacts uh, with their descendants uh, than it is on the vast techno battle. And she actually praised David Andrews as Lorian. And honest, honestly, I agree. He he does a great job. Erica actually said uh, it's a wonderful bit of casting, and I completely agree. I agree with that. She also compared uh, this episode to the Voyager episode, Deadlock, and the series finale of Next Gen, 
and she felt the lack of conclusion to what happened to the future Enterprise was very satisfying. Uh, Jamal from Jammer's Reviews called the episode acceptable, but all too familiar time travel concept. And to be honest, yeah, at this point, you know, in, at this point in the production of the franchise, yeah, I, I see where he's coming from. I still think they really actually did a great job with it. And again, we're so focused on the characters and what they're doing that it almost kind of falls into the background, wouldn't you say? It feels weirdly placed. It feels weirdly positioned. It's like, oh, we got to fill out an episode. Like, it's a good episode, but it feels oddly placed in this season where, oh, we have a goal that we have three days to get to. And so yeah. <laughs> well, here's a little side quest in the middle of that. Yeah, exactly. In fact, uh, Jamal said that this was actually a step down compared to the three previous episodes before this. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. He gave, he gave an overall rating of 2.5 out of four. Uh, in 2009, Den of Geek ranked uh, E Squared as the seventh best episode of Enterprise. So, like I said before, these episodes have actually aged pretty well. Uh, in 2016, The Hollywood Reporter interviewed various casts and uh, crew to find the 100 greatest episodes across the five series at that time. And this ended up being ranked 92nd and being referred to as a pretty fine episode. And that's great. Uh, so, let's move on to The Forgotten. In 2014, uh, the AV Club gave The Forgotten uh, an honorable mention in their list of recommended ed- Enterprise episodes. Uh, and then in 2021, uh, the Digital Fix said that this powerful episode highlighted the crew struggling with their losses. And honestly, yeah, I, you know, it comes back to like, I, I love a good space battle and aliens and, you know, special effects and all that stuff. But you know what the best part of that original X-Men movie was? It was Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen talking. That's it. I, that is worth the price of admission. So you don't need those huge things when we are invested in these characters. But this episode was written by Chris Black, whose last work on the on this series was season three, episode 16, Doctor's Orders, which was directed by Roxanne Dawson, as we mentioned, uh, which we discussed with Mark Viola on episode 62. Uh, it was also written by uh, David A. Goodman, whose last work was season three, episode nine, North Star, the cowboy episode of, of Enterprise North Star. That's a fun one. And we discussed that with visual artist J. Chris Campbell back on episode 54. Uh, but The Forgotten was directed by LeVar Burton, a.k.a. <laughs> a.k.a. Jordy LaForge, Mr. Reading Rainbow himself. His last episode that he directed was season three, episode 10, Similitude, which was such a good episode. I really, really love that episode, uh, which we discussed with Computer Resume podcast executive producer Kat Davis on uh, episode 55. In terms of guest stars, we've got two that I'd like to mention here. First up is Kipley Brown as Taylor. Uh, she's got a fairly short resume, but uh, she started her career in 1994 on uh, a series called The Magic Door, an episode called The Secret of Donna Grace's Candle. And then there was this, her first official appearance in the franchise. But in 2010, she lent her voice to Star Trek Online and actually did eight episodes of the fan-produced Star Trek Continues. As oh, that's Lu- interesting. Yeah, as Lieutenant Junior Grade Barbara Smith, including episode nine, What Ships Are Made For, which has her credited as one of the writers. Of that teleplay. The other person has just a very brief appearance, but a lot of people may not have recognized his face, but almost definitely re- would recognize his voice. As Ensign Rivers, we have Mr. Seth MacFarlane. Uh, well, you know, Lois, this reminds me of that time that I went on a Federation starship. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry, Earth Starfleet starship. Forgive yeah, me. Yeah, uh, Federation yeah. starship. Federation doesn't exist yet. <laughs> Exactly. Get it right, Drew, or I'll take that. I'll take that fan card. <laughs> uh, McFarlane actually has roots in New England going back to the 1600s and uh, is a descendant of Mayflower passenger William Brewster. Uh, his parents, Ronald and Ann, met in 1970 when they lived and worked in Boston and married later that same year. Uh, they moved to Kent, Connecticut in 1972, where Ann began working in the admissions office of South Kent High School, a uh, selective Uh, college prep school where Ron was a teacher. At two years old, Seth MacFarlane began drawing cartoon characters such as Fred Flintstone and Woody Woodpecker. By five years old, he knew he wanted to pursue a career in animation. 
and began creating little flip books after his parents found a book on the subject for him. Uh, four years later, so at the age of nine, he began publishing a weekly comic strip for the Kent Good Times Dispatch, which was a local paper. It paid him five bucks a week. Uh, and in October 20, <laughs> uh, in an October 2011 interview, Seth said that he that as a child, he was always weirdly fascinated by the communion ceremony. Um, so he created a strip with a character kneeling at the altar, taking communion and asking, can I have fries with that? The paper printed it and he got an angry letter from a local priest that led to sort of a little controversy in the town there. Uh, of course, that would not be the last time he would ruffle some feathers with some of his work. But when he was about 14 or 15, McFarland took his love of Star Trek to the next level by making his own fan film. But before we discuss that fan film, let's do a recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Enterprise falls into a black hole, and that's about it. <laughs> uh, he went on to, uh, to study film, video, and animation at Rhode Island School of Design, RISD. Uh, where he earned a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. And in his senior year, he made a thesis film, The Life of Larry. A professor submitted his film to a, a small animation studio called Hanna-Barbera, where he was later hired and worked on Dexter's Laboratory, Cow and Chicken, and Johnny Bravo. Um, he also did freelance work for Walt Disney Television Animation, writing for Jungle Cubs and for Nelvana where he wrote for Ace Ventura Pet Detective. I have to clarify this. This is the Ace Ventura Pet Detective cartoon series, yes. not the not movie. The movie. <laughs> there was a cartoon series for Ace Ventura Pet Detective. It is one of a few animated spinoffs of Jim Carrey properties that exist <laughs> in the world. Uh, I can think of two others off the top of my head. But you can listen to the Morgan Nerd podcast to find out more. About I was actually going to ask, did you guys cover any of those? <laughs> it's been on our list to cover. We haven't covered them yet. We chose to cover some other animated spinoffs first. But yeah, we, we've put some research. Nice, in. <laughs> nice. Well, all of this work in animation led to a development deal at Fox for an animated series based on his RISD thesis film titled Family Guy. And uh, of course, this is our first look at the work of Seth MacFarlane. So we will get to more of that as we progress through this little chunk of Enterprise. Anyway, when it comes to these two episodes, Drew Burris, are these essential viewing? I believe that The Forgotten is essential yeah, viewing. Absolutely. I think that it is it is a character piece. Star Trek works best when it's when you understand its characters, when you when you feel the connections to its characters. And and I think that especially when you consider the last couple of episodes where Enterprise has just been beaten down and beaten down and they've lost crew members that you have seen for the first time in Star Trek, like blown out into space in a oh, way yeah. that with CG technology they could do that I don't believe they had the capability to do that before. Yeah. I don't remember any of that happening on Deep Space Nine, maybe something on Voyager at one point. I don't remember. But you you have some, some really dark stuff that's going on. That is essential viewing. E2, I I hate to say it. I don't think it's essential. Oh. I think I think that while it's a very good episode and you're not gonna you're not gonna waste any time watching it, I think it is just a hitch in the giddy up of getting to the end of the season. And I don't think it adds more to the overall arc of the story that they are telling to have this random 117 year old enterprise show up with a bunch of descendants that they don't do anything with. And they don't resolve. That's, the end. that's kind of a big deal coming from the guy who loves the alternate history type type episodes. <sighs> I mean, the alternate, but again, I would probably honestly say that for a number of alternate history episodes. <laughs> I just, I, I, cause I, cause I think, cause, cause the other part of that is that part of the reason that I don't think this works as well is because we don't get any of that history. Yeah. This is, we are introduced to an entirely new crew that is, though directly related to crew members, the captain of the ship is literally two characters kid. The first officer of the ship is the is the old captain's great grandchild we don't really spend a lot of time building any connection with them other than lorian and then he turns into the bad guy of the episode uh -huh. it it doesn't the bad guy from our point of view 
that's that's what I find to be super interesting is he's he's making sure. the right decision for him and his crew. But 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 in the, in the time of watching this, especially watching these two episodes back right. to back, oh, we got three days to get to Degra. What is this? What is this side quest? Why are we why are we spending this time dealing with this? We just we just need to get through that thing. We need to get through the thing. <laughs> and that's really where I think that yes, this it's not a bad episode. It's a really good episode. I just wouldn't call it essential viewing if you're only watching the essentials. Wow. No, that's uh, yeah. I think about about the about about the only thing that it does is confirms the Tucker to Paul ship, which that's already really been confirmed. Let's be yeah. real. That that's <laughs> written all over the walls. Yeah, I you know I think I I gotta agree with you. And you know in terms of and this kind of gets into our final thoughts. I really have enjoyed all of the episodes when looking at a particular director's work. And here, this is also, in addition to this being our first uh, installment of our Seth MacFarlane block, this is also part four, uh, I think. Yeah, part four of our cast as crew uh, segment. And we've already discussed Roxanne Dawson and LeVar Burton at length, but I think it goes to show like Roxanne Dawson seems to lean more towards plot centric episodes whereas lavar burton tends to focus more on character centric episodes and i think they're both great but i think with the idea that in star trek it's not about the ship it's the crew that's who we're really following the enterprise d is a great ship but we love captain picard commander Riker, commander data deanna troy like i mean it's we love the people on the ship. The ship is almost inconsequential. Uh, it's very iconic, but honestly, we follow well, we the love, crew. We love the ship because we love the ship because we love the yeah. people. Like I, I think that there's plenty of other shows that have ships that are loved that don't look like. I'll be real. I don't love the look of the Voyager, but it's great, great crew, great fun. Mm -hmm. I actively hated the Defiant when it first showed up on screen. <laughs> And I think back to myself at that young age when the Defiant uncloaked and how I thought it looked bad. And now the Defiant is one of my favorite ships in Star Trek. Oh, wow. And that, but because you have to, you have to experience it the way the crew experiences it and watching, watching Deep Space Nine and, and learning to love that ship. I think the Defiant is one of the best looking ships in the fleet. I love that tough little oh, ship. Yeah. Little. Yes, I said it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, it, it's, it's, the characters have to go a long way. And and that's and, and I don't I don't mean to to say bad things about about E2 because I, I don't think it's a bad episode, but it, it's just, you know, it's it just feels extraneous yeah. in a way that that forgotten does not. Forgotten is a very necessary denouement of the 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 of the 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 crises of the last few mm. episodes. You have to see the characters though they're still very stressed out and they're still in in very much struggling to survive and fixing problems. Yeah. It's more about them picking up the pieces to try to push forward than it is about, you know, I, I mean again, like oh, so they just stole some some plasma injectors and those plasma injectors getting stole by this other enterprise with, with somebody's kid and grandkid it's like all right what are we doing here <laughs> again that, that that's i'm being a little flippant about it because i i don't think that episode's a bad i just you know when it comes to is this essential viewing i'm not so sure that's fair i think if you're invested in these characters over a even a small selection from season one and two i think by the time you get to this point you're in if you're still if you're still here you're invested and you're and you're watching but yeah i think the forgotten definitely holds a little more weight uh just because it is so character centric so i absolutely agree and, and I, I also i have to say i don't know that i would ne have necessarily said that at the time these came mm. out um, which is which is i think just as i have personally gotten older i think that as i was younger i think the Oh, alternate ship. Oh, look how cool and different it is. And oh, it's somebody's, uh, oh, it's their kid. It's their grandkid. There's a whole bunch of stuff. And oh, they hooked up. What? But as I've, as I've gotten older and, and I, I, as I've gotten farther away from certain things and closer to other things, I just, I'm more moved by, by the, the, the character drama yeah. than the funky sci-fi plot. Yeah. And, and that's fair. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Seth MacFarlane's fan film, uh, essential viewing. Yes. No. Essential viewing. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane's fan film is essential viewing. And I'm going to tell you okay. why. Because First of all, that haircut. Yeah. 
first of all, that haircut. Second of all, young Seth MacFarlane is like, you can immediately, once he opens his mouth, like he looks like young Seth MacFarlane, obviously, because he is young Seth yeah. MacFarlane, but he opens his mouth and you're like, oh, that's Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> <laughs> but what you see there is a boy, a teen mm-hmm. who loves something. And you see that he has convinced his friends <laughs> to come in the spock they have not that great <laughs> but 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 they, and they built sets behind them and it's only like a i, I, I forget exactly how I don't, long I don't, it's not yeah it's long. not five minutes i mean it's it's short but but you see that yeah. and you see that and and what you do is you watch that and then you go watch the orville mm-hmm. And you look at those two things side by side and you see the Orville in a different light. The Orville, which is a show that I also deeply love and who's the first episode of season three just came out (laughs) the week before we started recording. uh, There'll be a couple of episodes, I think, out by the time y'all hear this. But uh, it's the the Orville, a lot of people think is family guy in space or was sold as family guy Mm -hmm. in space. But that's because you don't see this kid making a Star Trek fan film when no one else is making Star Trek fan yeah. films. And then using his position as the, because another thing about Ensign Rivers that we need to talk about is that when he appears as Ensign Rivers, Family Guy has been canceled. Yeah, <laughs> It is not on the air at yeah. this point. Because Family Guy was canceled and then because of DVD sales and Adult Swim came back and has now been on the air for another 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is when he looking for something to do. He's got a little money. He's got a little cachet. Hey, can I be in Star Trek? Yeah. <laughs> and, and gets to just be a walk-on named role with a line in Star Trek, which is something that other actors would beg and, and would beg to do an audition for. And, 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 and you have this like relatively famous dude yeah. with a very, very fan popular, but not very anim- advertising popular show doing yeah. that. And then, you know, here we are, he's, he's three seasons into basically his own version of Star Trek that you have to go back to the origins to see the love letter that the Orville is. And I could talk about this a lot more. I'll, I'll just say, go watch the Orville seasons one and two season three, currently ongoing. Just, and I I don't think I've let the cat out of the bag like this before, but one of the things that we will be covering here on the computer resume podcast, as part of our Seth MacFarlane block, one of the adjacent, one of the star Trek adjacent properties, we will be discussing the pilot episode of the Orville. And I'm really excited for it. Happy Arbor Day. Oh, yeah. Well, folks, (laughs) next week, there's nothing. That's because this is the end of season three of the Computer Resume podcast. Yay! uh, We made it. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) But please be sure to join us on August 1st, where we will be joined by independent D&D content creator from Verge Games. My good friend, Mr. TJ Surgeon, will be joining us for Enterprise Season 3, Episode 22, The Council, which, of course, is available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Drew, where can people find the things that you're working on and support you and bother you uh, directly on the Internet? <laughs> if you would like to hear me and a, ca- a cast and crew of other uh, uh, layabouts, uh, that's the wrong word. I don't know what I'm trying to say. This is what happens when you try to go off the cuff. Uh, <laughs> if you would like to hear us go on a sci-fi adventure using the Starfinder tabletop rules, you can listen to the Cosmic Crit podcast. We are in the middle of our fourth season. Uh, we have been doing this for, for a number of years now and just have a great uh, a great time doing it. That's CosmicCrit.com. And if you want to hear me just talk like you've heard me on this show a few times now just kind of go off on you know little little tangents little nerdy tangents um uh me and uh our our good buddy miles uh host a show called the more you nerd where we go through different facets of the nerd community whether it is 
uh, animated remakes of R-rated movies, whether it is uh, terrible adaptations of different things, sequels that you didn't know had sequels, like the Animal House TV spinoff. Did you know that existed? I did. I watched it. Uh, that you can find at themoreunerd.com. Themoreunerd.com. Uh, of course, if you would like to find us, uh, I don't do a ton of social media, I'll be honest, uh, but you can go to follow the at themoreunerd Twitter account or at the at Cosmic Crit Twitter account for those two shows. And we have a Discord uh, for Cosmic Crit that the Mori Nerd sneaks in. Uh, and you can find that at CosmicCrit.com. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in 10 forward. on patreon and like rate review and share on all your favorite platforms feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computer resume podcasts at gmail.com or at computer resume on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok the computer resume podcast was created and produced by mr todd a davis our logo was designed by will martin and justin bishop the opening theme was produced by justin bishop and our outro music was provided with permission by dronode Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?